0: You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress.
1: And so tonight, we are going to cover the first S in the word bless. We are going over some of our core values at the beginning of the new year here at Calvary. These These things, this word bless, we've been breaking down, serve as kind of our spiritual compass here at the Calvary Church. What we believe according to the word of God to be things that are important, things that are to be reflected in our lives. And so the B stands for belong. Yes, your turn to talk. And we should be in fellowship and connection to God's people. We see that in the Bible. The L stands for Learn we have to continue to grow in our relationship with God in our knowledge of his word and that's why we're all here. It's a beautiful sight to see people have notebooks. This is awesome. And the E is experience transformation Tom talked about that last week. We need to be a part of that process on an ongoing basis. It's not just Acts 2.38 and the change happens, but we understand in Scripture that that is actually the starting point. That's not the destination. And so we need to continue to experience God's power to change us in our lives. And so tonight we're going to talk about what it means to share light our first S, and this is something I'm particularly passionate about, but I also understand that there's a lot of ideas around what that means and maybe uh, different ways that we've seen that um, maybe put before us as members of a congregation what it means to share your testimony or share your experiences with other people. And so I have a video to maybe surmise what it is not.
2: Here at the National Institute for Student Ministries, we've discovered a new method of evangelism that is shaking the very foundation of our thinking. It may appear unorthodox, but frankly, we're shocked at the results. We're amazed at this revolutionary idea, especially designed to boost student evangelism. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. The flight. Ness is going to think I a you see, he, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. The evangelism linebacker deals directly with a variety of students' fears associated with sharing their faith. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it.
1: I'm not ready yet.
2: What makes you think I'm ready, though? Fear of rejection, for example talk to you about fear. Fourth and one, Jerry Rice, what you gonna do? That don't compare to fourth and one in eternity. It doesn't matter who rejects us, because we're always accepted by Christ.
1: God loves you. Get off the flow and go, do to go. Can we talk to you for a minute?
2: I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. He loves you, but it might hurt. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, God, don't you run for me? You can't escape my Don't play I throw you in the trash. Thanks to the evangelism linebacker, campus evangelism nationwide is up 87 <laughs> percent.
1: Oh, thank you, Mr. Never do it again.
2: Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I got to do. Uh huh. Hey, man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I gotta go. Selfishness! The world needs a message for God to love the world. He wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that boom, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. (laughs) (laughs) We're intrigued, as the linebacker is particularly effective in infiltrating centers of cultural and intellectual exchange. Here you go. Here's your double cappuccino latte mocha with a twist. Not too hot, not too cold. Perfect for you.
0: Yeah, but anyway,
2: man, did you hear that talk from that guy the other night? Oh, I know. Like, we're
0: supposed to be sharing our faith in, like, coffee
2: shop. (laughs) Woo! Woo! It's unlikely that the recent decline in coffee sales has anything to do with our program. Pride comes before for the fall! That's Old Testament! Old Testament! You know this! Thanks for the coffee, Darren. Hey, you're welcome. Have a nice day. Your mama raised you better than this boy! Don't let me blow you up no more! You see, I think it's fitting, because when people have pride, that they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is i knocks the pride out of them. Like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this when you least expect it around the corner perhaps even under your bed i can be in a phone wire i can be everywhere and just know that i'm always watching ready to lay a boom on you baby Booyah! ouch are you ready for game day
1: are you ready <laughs> so Hopefully that's not what this lesson is to you. It doesn't make you feel beat up by your lack of effort in evangelism or sharing light. But uh, sharing light can be termed and done in many different ways. We do not endorse that way by any means. But it can include sharing a testimony with somebody, reaching out to people who you know are hurting, teaching a home Bible study praying with a coworker who has asked you to uh, help them through a situation. There are many ways that we can share the light of God's love and the truth of his word with others. And so my hope tonight is simply to not just give you a checklist of what that means and exactly what that looks like for each and every one of us, but as I've prepared, I've felt just an urgency to um, help us understand that we've got to fulfill this assignment And that God can talk to us and use us in unique ways because Jesus said that we were to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. And so it's up to you and I to take that to heart and to make it personal and to ask the Lord, what are you wanting me to do in order to share light with other people? Because this is what I believe. I believe that our love for Jesus his love for this world inside of us can help us get past any insecurity that we may have, any fear, any intimidation, that just me bringing up the subject, share a light, and you're like, nope, not that. Anything but that. I believe that God's love can be made mature in us in such a way that it is greater than any fear that we have, and it can be the source of our motivation, that God, if you give me the opportunity, I'm going to do it to the best of my Ability, And so, I want to begin tonight by telling you with absolute certainty that if there's anything that the enemy will try his best to keep you from doing, it's this. Satan will not stand by and casually watch you make an effort to share God's love with other people. You see, we know as we grow in our relationship with Christ that his opposition to us does not end when we're transformed. It doesn't end when we come to the Lord. Because Satan is an accuser. He is a liar. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 44. He has always hated the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar. And the father of lies. And so the surest way to silence Satan And to win against the forces of darkness. I want to know what that is. And the Bible makes it clear to us in Revelation 12 verse 11. Which says. And they conquered him. They meaning us. The saints. Conquered Satan by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. Consider with me tonight this powerful statement. That includes both the blood of Jesus Christ. And our testimony together as the ultimate weapon against our enemy. We believe in the power of the blood. We believe that readily and wholeheartedly. We believe it will never lose its power. We believe it will never run out. It will never be ineffective. The blood is what has saved us. It has healed us. The blood covers us. The blood protects us. And yet, this verse in Revelation 12 tells us that our testimony is powerful. And it works together with the precious blood of Jesus against the enemy. Think about what the Bible is telling us. The importance and the potential that our testimony has in our lives to help us fight against our enemy. Satan hates the blood. He hates the name of Jesus. He hates our testimony. When we confess what Jesus has done for us. When we tell somebody who Jesus is. When we try to share the good news. When we make an effort to explain what the gospel means to somebody else. He hates the potential that that kind of exchange has in a person's life. The gospel's power works through us to reach others to share the good news with them and so satan and our carnal nature will always put up resistance to our desire to share the gospel with others in word or in deed so we should not be surprised that of the many assignments given to us in scripture this is one of the more difficult to keep as a discipline and something that we do on a continuous basis but i want to draw your attention now to revelation chapter 12 verse 10 Because I believe there's a powerful understanding that we can add to verse 11. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. Who accuses them, Satan accuses us, day and night before our God. And then verse 11, and they overcame. And so what I get from that tonight is that we silence the enemy through our testimony. He can accuse us and accuse us, but when we apply the blood of Jesus to our lives and we share our testimony, there's nothing left for him to say. Amen. And so at TCC, we commit ourselves to obey the Great Commission, Jesus' command to go and preach the gospel. God wants all of us To share his marvelous light to the people that we come in contact with. And I believe that he uniquely equips each one of us to do this. For some of us it's easier than for the rest of us. Sharing light looks different in our lives. God has called us and equipped us with gifts. He's given us life experiences that are designed to make us sensitive to the needs of other people. Those things, our gifts, our experiences, I believe God also puts in us a heart to help other people. He gives us compassion through our own struggles and through our suffering. And so I want to look briefly at three examples of sharing light in Scripture. Because I think it gives us a better picture of what it looks like than the video that we just watched. And so the first example I want to look at is in the book of John chapter 9. And this is concerning the blind man. This is the story of the man that was born blind. And Jesus approaches him. Jesus spits on the ground. He makes mud. He applies it to the man's eyes. He tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he washes his eyes. And don't you know he's completely healed? He can see. And so this takes his neighbors back. They don't understand. Are you the blind guy? And he's like, yeah, I am. Well, His explanation did not suffice them. So his neighbors go and they get the Pharisees, the religious experts, if you will, because they want to know what has happened to this guy. Is this really him? And how can he see now? And so this kind of chaos goes on for the first 23 verses because now the Pharisees are involved and they're mad because Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath day. (gasps) Gasp! How dare you help somebody on the Sabbath day, Jesus. So... We are going to look at verses 24 and 25. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And so what they're saying is, what you say happened didn't actually happen. And he answered, the blind man said, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. Meaning, I don't know everything about Jesus. You're right, I don't know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And so I've got good news for us tonight, that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have a perfect explanation of the Godhead, who Jesus is, why we baptize the way we do, why we act and look the way we do in order to share light with other people. Because here's the deal, his neighbors didn't believe him. The Bible actually lets us know his parents bailed on the whole situation. They were so intimidated by what was happening. They were like, he's an adult. He can answer for himself. Good luck, buddy. And so here's this precious man. Instead of celebrating with him, they're making a big deal out of it. Did that ever happen to you when you started living for God? You're cleaning your life up. You're getting your act together. Now everybody's asking questions. Like something's wrong with you. Why are you smiling? Aren't you happy for me? Don't you want to know why? And so this is what the blind man, the poor guy is experiencing. And I think the simplicity of his answer is so powerful. It's so empowering to us. He says, I don't know all the answers to your questions. I don't know how mud got slapped on my eyes and now I can see. I don't know much about Jesus. But what I know is, I didn't see you before and now I see you. And so you and I, we can do that at the end of the day. I don't know all the answers to your questions. I don't understand your religious experience or what you were taught before. But this is what I know. I used to be blind. Perfect time. Come up here. I used to be blind. I didn't know who Jesus was. I had major issues in my life. And now I see. You don't have to have a flip chart to have a conversation like that. You don't have to have a curriculum or a Thompson Chain Bible to tell somebody I used to be an addict, but I'm not anymore. I used to struggle with depression and anxiety when I was a teenager. I don't anymore. My life's not perfect. I have things that overwhelm me, things I struggle with every day. But what I know is my life perspective is different because I know Jesus. Do you feel what is happening in this room? Just by confessing, I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. It changes the atmosphere. And can you feel why the devil would do anything he could to keep you from opening your mouth and saying, Jesus has changed my life. He opposes it so much. I've got my quiz heads. Ladies, stand on either side of me. I told them I was going to use some of the verses they're learning. And so they are going to help me tonight. Who's doing Acts 8? Is that Jenna? All right. So our second passage of Scripture Jenna is going to help us with, now full disclosure, they are learning the King James Version. And what we have on the screen is the English Standard Version, okay? So it's going to be a little different, but we're all going to be okay. And so Jenna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quote some of the verses that you don't know, okay? And then I'm going to stop at verse 35, and you're going to quote 35 through 39, okay? All right. So this is about Philip and the eunuch. Now verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, The eunuch was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran. I love that. It's like he's saying, put me in, coach. I'm ready. He ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. And his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus, and as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, see, here is water, what doth, oh, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest, and the eunuch said, "Um, I believe that. Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Amen. Good job. That is very hard. It's very intimidating, and that's why we do it, because my coach did it to me, and so now I'm doing it to them. But God tells Philip in the beginning of Acts 8 to leave an incredible revival in Samaria and go to the desert. What a bummer, right? All this is happening in Samaria. God's doing amazing thing. And God tells Philip, get out of here. Go to the desert. And that's because one person was reading the scripture and didn't understand what they were reading. And I get emotional when I read that passage When Philip asks a very important question, do you understand what you are reading? Something should stir in our hearts when we read a passage of scripture like this to say, somebody is waiting for someone to guide them through the scripture. Someone is asking the question the eunuch asked, and it's a fair question. How can I, unless someone guides me? 2 Peter 3.9 says that God does not want anyone to be lost. He wants everyone the opportunity to repent. So the Spirit of God sent Philip to the eunuch that day in his chariot. And if we are willing to share light, if we ask God to open doors for us, he absolutely will. Amen. Jesus told his disciples that they didn't need to pray about the harvest. He said, what you have got to pray for is that people will work in the fields. And that's you and me. There are people waiting. The harvest is ready. I think sometimes we have a disconnect with that passage of Scripture because those agrarian references, they don't hold the meaning to us that they did to the people Jesus was talking to. But Jesus is essentially illustrating what the eunuch said. There's nobody here to help me. There's no one working in the field to answer my question." And so we should be willing and available to teach those who want to learn. And I say this humbly, but I say it very sincerely that if we think we are too busy to teach someone a Bible study, to talk to them about scripture, to take time out of our day to say something is wrong, I am willing to listen, I am willing to help you. If we think that we are too busy, then we are too busy. I've been teaching Bible studies for a while now, and I can tell you in all honesty that it is always a sacrifice to do it. There's always a reason why it's not convenient. There's always a reason why it's difficult. There's always a reason why I could put it off, and yet I feel the tug of God's Spirit on me to say, Kristen, what more important thing could you do with that hour in your day? Than to teach somebody who is hungry. Teach somebody who's saying, I don't understand what I'm reading. Right. And so as a pastor, I tell you in the fear of God that we should be willing. We should be available. No matter what that looks like. If it's just a one conversation in the break room at your workplace. If it's a 12-week series of lessons that you meet in your home or you meet at Starbucks. You might as well put coffee in the picture whatever it looks like, it should be the most natural thing in the world to you as a believer to be looking and to be ready to say, do you want a Bible study? I've had people ask me, how do you get people to teach? I'm always looking. You know who taught me that? Bishop Dad. That if there's somebody that you see they're coming around or maybe they're hanging around you and you, you feel it from people, they're hungry, they're trying to figure out You're a weirdo. Why are you weird? But I feel comfortable around you. You feel that. Ladies, we know. It's coming. It's coming. Why do you always wear what you wear? You know, it's coming. We feel it from people. Don't be guarded. Don't be afraid. Say, would you like to look at it in scripture with me? Say, can I pray with you about something? It's not hard. And so we've got to get over the fear of rejection. People might say no. I've been told no. I've taught people a Bible study that took me nine months to teach, and they don't even go to church anymore. But you know what? Someday, when I stand before God, I can say, God, right or wrong, maybe I didn't teach it all right, but I tried. I made myself available, I was willing. And put it in the hands of God. And so finally, our last example is good old Cornelius in Acts 10. Here we read the story of a great man. How do we know he was a great man? Because the Bible tells us in very specific terms, he was a great man. He was a successful man. He was a devout man. He gave offerings. He prayed to God always. What a description coming from the scripture. So much so that God sends an angel to him that says, you have got to send for a man named Peter. And so during this time, God also puts it in Peter's heart to be willing to go talk to some Gentile. Because this had never been done before. And so we read in Acts 10, beginning at verse 39, and you'll start us on verse 44. And we are witnesses of all that he did. This is Peter talking to Cornelius. That he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He's talking about Jesus. Here it is. Here's the gospel. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree... While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any men forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Amen. Great job, ladies. Thank you. So many powerful truths in those verses. They knew they had received the Holy Spirit because they saw them speak with tongues. They hadn't been baptized yet. And Peter asked because it was essential. Peter understood it wasn't just enough to see them receive the Holy Ghost. They had to be baptized. All of this, the outpouring of God's Spirit on the Gentiles for the very first time. This was the continuation of the promise that Peter himself referenced on the day of Pentecost. Joel's prophecy that in the last days God would pour out his Spirit on all flesh. All of this... Because God saw Cornelius' sincerity. God told Cornelius to send for Peter. Peter came and shared the gospel with him and his whole household. The Holy Spirit was poured out while Peter was teaching him the gospel. That's the power behind the good news. It's not confined to this room. It's not confined to a religious atmosphere or a specific environment. God will send us to people who are ready if we are willing to be sent. These three instances in Scripture, hear me now, do not have a lot in common. There are different people, different types of needs, different responses, different outcomes, and that's the point that I'm trying to make tonight. The blind man, we are not even sure if he was a believer. We don't know his experience before his encounter with Jesus that day. The eunuch, all we know about him is that he had been to Jerusalem to worship. We know that he was reading the book of Isaiah when Philip walked up to his chariot. We know Cornelius was a believer. We know the most about him. We know that he gave offerings. We know that he was a man of prayer. But this is the point I'm trying to make. We have to stop looking around at what we think sharing light is supposed to be based on what other people do. We have to be open to what God will assign us to do. I think of the question that God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Who is the person that you talk to that maybe there is a door of opportunity to tell about Jesus? What opportunity is right in front of you? I believe that there's at least one person And I could guess that most likely it's a situation that you dismiss immediately. You have an excuse immediately. That's a sign that that's the person that is open. If you can come up with five reasons why they're not interested or why you can't teach them, there's your sign. It's probably the person that God's put in your life. And the enemy will give you all kinds of reasons. Your flesh will lock you up. Fear will take its grip on you. And that's why we have to make the decision, I'm going to do this. I'm going to share light because it's what God expects of me. It's what I was created to do. And so as I hasten to our app time and to honor the time that Pastor Tom promised that I would return to you tonight, I want to share some personal observations quickly that I have made in my small attempts to share light Some of them are based on my own experience And some of them I learned from Bishop Dad And I used the word share So here you go The first one is be sensitive Be ready First Peter 3.15 says that we should be ready To always give an answer To anyone that would ask you Of the hope that is in you We must be ready We can't let it take us by surprise. And see, this is part of it. It's a change in our mentality. It's a change in how we view our relationship with God. That my relationship with God, the connection that I feel, the things that God is doing in my life, the things that he's showing me when I pray and when I read his word, they are not just for me. But could it be that God has given you a revelation To share with somebody that is going to come in close proximity to you because you're praying, God, send someone to me who is hungry. And we have to be ready. The H is be honest. It's okay to tell people you don't know the answer to their questions. My dad was a master at this. He would smile and very quickly say, I have no idea. And it was so... Kind of unsettling, but then it was also very endearing to say, well, at least he's honest. And he would always say, this is what he taught me to say, you tell them, I don't know, but I will get you an answer from somebody who does. Now, what's wrong with that? Doesn't that give you some sense of trust in me that I'm not going to make up a bunch of baloney on the spot because I'm embarrassed? There's some humility that comes with that, but that's okay because That's part of our responsibility, according to 1 Peter 3.15. we got to dig out these answers in Scripture. Again, going back to the idea that your relationship with God, your devotional life, is not just about you and your needs. But we need to have some answers. We need to learn something from our experiences and grow in a way that helps other people. The letter A, be affirming. Look for ways to affirm people's hunger for God. Ask questions about their experiences. Look for ways to encourage them in their search for God. I've learned this through someone that's in close proximity, not a member of the church or connected. She's visited a couple times and we scare her to death. So, But when we talk, she talks to me about baptism. I don't bring it up. But it's in her heart. God is talking to her. And so... I've offered to baptize her. Tom's offered to baptize her. It hasn't happened yet. But every time we talk, I just let her know, yes, you should be baptized. Yes, I've offered multiple times. She hasn't taken me up on it. I guess I'm scary. I I will show you. Do you want to look at some scriptures? I'll do anything. I'll unlock the church. Nobody will be there. She hasn't taken me up on that offer, but I'm trying to affirm yes. That's God talking to you. Yes, you should be baptized. And I can show you in scripture when you're ready. The R is be respectful of their perspective, of their previous experience. Even if you don't agree with it, even if it completely freaks you out, you're like, Oh God, what have you experienced? I don't even understand. It's so much more than being PC, being politically correct. It's being careful not to make light of things that you don't understand. About what somebody else believes or maybe someone that they know what they believe. We can get silly when we feel uncomfortable. And we need God's spirit to make us wise in those moments. And the last, the E, is be empathetic. Relationship is a key piece of the discipleship process discipleship in its purest form is relational be someone's friend before you delve into faith what they believe what they think about God what they're going through because here's the deal if God is full of compassion if that's part of who he is then that's what we should strive to be That when we talk to people, we listen with a compassionate heart, an empathetic heart, a sensitive heart that says, God, what are they saying to me? What are they trying to tell me? What are they getting at? Let your spirit give me insight. And so now it's app time. And that means we're going to talk to two or three people around us. I'm going to give you two questions. The first question is, what is something that you could study to be better equipped to share light with other people? Is there a subject? Is there a passage of scripture that maybe somebody at work keeps bringing up and you're like, oh, I don't have an answer for that. All right, I want you to talk about it among yourselves. Maybe somebody can help you with that. The second question is, what part of your story do you share with other people most often? What is something God has done in your life that you feel like you continuously have the opportunity to be light and to share it with other people? So, Let's talk amongst ourselves. Is somebody sitting by themselves? Please group up with them. Okay. I hate to break up this party. It looks great. i invite you to stand with me. We're going to pray together. Sharing light with other people requires us to be ready. It requires us to be willing to live our lives in a way that says, God Cover this day and give me the opportunity to share what you've done in my life with somebody else. Whatever that looks like, it may not be like our linebacker friend. Hopefully it's not. I think it's a lot easier than we think it is. Why else would the devil work so hard to convince us that it's not? Right? Because we're the light of the world. It's not hard when you light something, it just glows, right? It makes an impact in the environment that it's in. And so we've got to be intentional. This is something that I believe we have to make a matter of prayer. To say, God, get it in my heart, get it in my consciousness. I don't want to go through life as a Christian with my head down and not realize that I do have opportunities, small as they might be. They may not look like what I'm expecting or what I'm dreading when I think about sharing light, sharing my testimony, telling somebody who Jesus is. But God, if you'll give me that opportunity and you've promised to help me, I'm going to do it. So let's pray together to that end. Jesus, I thank you for your word. When we look into it, we feel so encouraged. We feel empowered. Your word tells us that our testimony and your blood work together as a weapon against the enemy of our souls. And so let that get into our hearts tonight, how important it is how needful it is, not just in other people's lives, but in our own lives. We've got to share light. That's what you saved us from our sin for, to tell people the good news, to share it with others, because your gospel can make a difference in anybody's life. And it may look different in my life than it does for somebody else. But Lord, we want to honor your word. We want to study it We want to always be ready to give an answer, Lord Jesus... We want to be sensitive and empathetic. We want to have compassion the way that you do, God. And so work on our hearts at the Calvary Church to make disciples, to not just limit it to this house or our homes, Lord, but everywhere we go, that we're thinking about the fact that you are coming again, and there are people that are looking at Scripture, they're looking and they do not understand what they're reading, that God, if their hearts are hungry and we are willing, you You will put us in their path. You will send us like you sent Philip... You will send us like you sent Peter to Cornelius' house. Because I believe, Lord, there are hungry people. You said the harvest is white. It is ready to harvest. And so send us today, Lord, as laborers to work in the field. To explain what your word says and what it can do for people who are open to it. In Jesus' name I pray. Lift us up and let us feel empowered tonight. Amen.